Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Hello and how are you? Dave Campbell introducing you to Hour 2 of 630 Chad Inside Sports for this Wednesday evening. I'm in for Reed Wilkins all this week. Reed will be back on Monday. And a busy day in the National Hockey League. The Toronto Maple Leafs signing center, Austin Matthews. Four-year deal, $53 million contract extension. Average annual value of $13.5 million. That'll make Matthews the highest paid player beginning next season. Reports that uh, Evan Bouchard orders defenseman will sign a bridge deal two years, about $3.9 million. Also, the Rangers signed Alex Lafreniere to a two-year contract worth $4.65 million. Has 100 points in 243 regular season and playoff games since he was the first overall pick in the 2020 NHL entry draft. And the Arizona Coyotes signing a coach, uh, their head coach, Andre Tournier, uh, to a three-year contract extension, uh, ensuring that he will be at the uh, front of the Coyotes' rebuilding process. Jays in action tonight. Baltimore Orioles leading 2-0. And that's not a good score for the Jays. And they got some help earlier today in the uh, form of the Chicago White Sox, who beat the Seattle Mariners 5-4 in 10 innings. And the uh, Mariners drop a half a game. But if the Jays lose, then it'll be back to a full game lead again on the Jays if they don't rally and win this game. If the Jays do win this game, they'll pull into a tie for that third and final wildcard spot with the uh, Mariners. And the Elks getting ready for the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks on uh, Sunday. 3.30 is the uh, countdown to kickoff. 5 o'clock is the kickoff. And uh, the Elks uh, coming out with a pretty cool deal. Uh, they're having the 2 Ford one deal or 2 for one deal. But it's the two four to one deal. I see what you did there. Yes, indeed. Well, that's what they did. I just read it. Oh. <laughs> so you can get a pair of P1 tickets for the game on Sunday for the price of one. Well, that's pretty cool. So you can head to uh, goelks.com, uh, search for tickets, and there you go. Well, the league this year, the CFL, partnered with Pro Football Focus, which is an analytics company. And when I heard that, I, I you had to remove the breakables from me because I was very excited about this because I love analytics and I love that analytics is entering the football world more and more. And uh, we're going to introduce you to Bryson Vesnaver, who is uh, a contributor for PFF, covers the CFL, and he joins us uh, for the first time on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Bryson, nice to have you on Edmonton Radio here on 630 Chet. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Nice to have you here. And uh, tell me uh, now, how long have you worked for PFF? Uh, I'm going on nine and a half years now. I've been working there. Nine and a half years. And you live in Canada, right? That's correct, yes. In Kingston, Ontario. There you go. So um, now for people that may not have heard of PFF or have heard of it and maybe don't understand all the world of football analytics, tell me what, what PFF, uh, I guess, tries to accomplish when it comes to game-to-game coverage. Sure. So what we have is we have a large team that goes through every single game and we watch every single play and we give grades and record sort of advanced stats on each play. And then we come up with a grade for uh, every player on every play. So, you know, like offensive linemen who don't usually get their stats recorded by anything, we can give them a grade and compare them across the league. Um, And we have a huge team that does it, a lot of review teams. So each game has probably 10 to 15 guys working on it at one time uh, to come to that grade. And when it comes to grading a game, how long would it take for that team to grade the particular game? Like, how long is that process? 
yeah, so we, we generally do it live, um, and then we have a team of review guys that go through it afterwards and, and look at everything, make sure it's all okay up to the standards, uh, go through some coaches if we need questions answered. And so I would say usually within, like, the next day of the game being done, we're, we've locked it in as uh, officially done. That is pretty good. That and, and it's pretty cool they got a team doing it so that you all come together with the data and you all come together with the – and I'm sure you got markers that you that you try and achieve here. But that's pretty cool. Like, there's a team watching a team sport to make sure they get all the all the, all the the numbers right. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, so – you're, the chance now to to have the CFL included with PFF because um, obviously you, the, the NFL has been with uh, you've been covering the NFL and, and and breaking them down and you have a partnership with them and NCAA. Uh, tell me about the uh, bringing the CFL into the mix now and uh, giving fans more of a more of a deeper dive into uh, into the numbers. Yeah, you know it's it's something we've wanted to do for a long time and we've been working on it for a long time. Uh, obviously, the COVID shutdown year kind of set us back with that with the CFL having to get back in, into it but um we're happy to do it I think with you know with the NFL and college there was already a lot of sort of analytics elsewhere we still offer more than most but there was at least some out there for CFL there really wasn't anything besides just the the, the league's own stats so we were very excited to sort of bring in something different and, it, and the reaction we've gotten has been awesome because a lot of the fans uh and even the people involved in the CFL have been very happy with what we've been able to do you, you know, and there are, there are other analytics companies too. And what I like about PFF is, you know, I think you have analytics that make sense and that speak, you know, to, to the layperson. You know, where we've seen, you know, from other like football outsiders is good, but sometimes some of their metrics are like, what is that? I don't understand what DVOA is. You know, and it's a little bit too, little, little bit too mind bending. But when you talk about, for example, James Butler, well, he has broken this many tackles this season and has made this many yards after contact that's simple language yeah that's what we try to do you know we want to we we want to keep it so that anybody who just is even a, the most basic fan of the sport can look at the numbers and they can get something out of it rather than yes like i obviously i love all these other places i love the dvoa but if if you're just kind of getting into football it, it's a lot of confusing numbers right and not everyone gets it so i think we've tried to do a good job of making it simple so that everyone can look at it see basic numbers but it's also advanced stats and kind of get a sense of of what it is bryson vestnaver joins us he's uh works for pro football focus and uh helps to uh analyze and grade the cfl which means the edmonton elks we're going to get into this right now here on 630 chat inside sports k the elks won their first game finally they're one in nine they beat the hamilton tiger cats specifically trey ford has been the core starting quarterback the last two games. His numbers have been pretty good. Now they've been low. They've been low uh, attempts and completions, but what he's been asked to execute, he's done very well. Tell me what you're seeing out of the offense under Trey Ford and what they're doing differently compared to what they were doing with Taylor Cornelius. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. I think, um, like you said, the numbers are low, but what he's being asked to do, he's doing it well. Uh, I've seen him run a lot of RPO, a lot of quick passes which has been helpful for him. A lot of like sort of easier reads, maybe than they asked from Cordelius to keep it simple, but they've also opened up the run game a bit. I don't know what it is, but the run game has been way better. Um, their offensive line has been blocking a lot better. Um, so I don't know if it's the, the bye week coming off that bye week, getting a little, little more in sync, but yeah, they've been really good. And it hasn't, I don't think it's changed a ton from what it was. I think he's just, it's just executed better. And the offensive line, which has been, uh, I look at the rankings and they've been, the Elks have been number nine for most of the season. 
Last week, they were number one, and every single offensive lineman uh, graded high. So tell me how good the Elks' offensive line were last week. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I watched I watched a lot of the snaps. I've watched um, them play, and I think they're, they're definitely playing better. But one thing I've, I have noticed from watching it is if you watch the tackles, they've graded super well the last two weeks. Um, it was at Ivy and uh, – Brett Boyko. And Boyko, yeah. They've been graded, they've graded at like 84, and before that they were in the 50s. So part of it is them play well, but also I've been watching a lot of the defensive ends haven't fully been rushing. They've been sort of playing a lot of contain. Mm-hmm. So to me, it seems like a lot of these teams are a little afraid of Trey Ford on the run, getting him, and they maybe just want him to beat them in the pocket. Mm-hmm. And that's why. So it's you know like they're not getting a lot of pressure because they're not fully full out rushing like they were with Cornelius. Uh, but the offensive line overall is just play better. They're getting more blocks up. They're not sort of missing assignments that they were before. So they've really tightened up a lot. Yeah, I feel like they've been kind of getting, especially in the run game, and you mentioned that. I mean, look at the Winnipeg game, and I, I, I don't think Trey Ford completed a pass until maybe his late in the second drive or the third drive um, when he scored um, the eight-yard touchdown. But even in, in Hamilton, like they're firing off blocks, and they're actually mauling the, the, the defensive line, which you didn't really see that in the first uh, eight games of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And, they you know, looking at the metrics even, you could tell, like, I think, Look at it. Before uh, the bye week, Butler was averaging like 1.7 yards before contact. Last two games has been up to like four yards per cut before contact. So like they're they're getting a push. And he's not getting hit till he's four yards downfield, which you know that's going to always be successful if you if it's going to take that long to get hit. Yeah, no question. Bryson uh, Vestnaver joins us uh, from Pro Football Focus here on 6:30. Chat Inside Sports. Uh, Bryson uh, analyzes the CFL for PFF and helps to uh, grade the games and uh, bring you some good stuff on uh, PFF.com. You can also see some of the stuff on CFL. Okay, let's switch uh, to the other side of the ball, uh, which is defense. The big concern for me, their run defense is not very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah, good at a all. A lot of tackles, but not very good, no. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's strange because they get after the quarterback, it seems, fairly decently, although I know I've seen some – you know some of your articles that that have mentioned that they get sacks but they, they don't get pressure. They have 14 sacks in their last three games, if I'm correct. AC Leonard has a lot of that. Uh, Jake Ceresna getting going, but uh, like to me, there's times this year where I felt Bryson this defense is the best phase, but it seems like they've they've gotten timely sacks and timely plays that the they're able to get off the field. And sometimes I wonder because of the lack of production on offense in the second half if they're just they're just gassed by the fourth quarter. Well, I, th- I think that's definitely it. You know, I think if you look at the numbers, they've got, like, they are getting pressure beyond the sacks, especially lately. Uh, maybe not so much early on, but lately they've been getting the pressure and getting the sacks. Like you said, 14 sacks in the last three games. Um, but I think you're right. I think that's part of it is that in the in the end of the games, they're just exhausted. So, like, the broken tackles go up because they're just too tired to wrap up. You know, the, the pressure doesn't come because they just can't get past the tackles because they're just exhausted because they played so many snaps and so many hard snaps. Um, so, like, hopefully now the way they're playing, if the offense can sort of hold the ball a little more, the defense will come with it. So the one question I want to ask you about the defense is the young secondary, which has been a focus. So they have Marcus Lewis playing one corner, Kai Gray playing the other corner. The halfback is, the halfbacks are now Ed Ganey, who's a veteran, and Darius Bratton. And Marlo Sean Franklin has played safety. We have seen uh, Scott Hutter's playing there right now. Uh, we've seen Dwayne Thompson at times. Um, I, I don't know what to make it 
at the times of the young secondary. It seems like some games, some plays, some portions of games, they have played really well, and there's been other times where you wonder, okay, like the front seven, are they just on the field too much? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I also think, you know, it's just kind of what you get with the young secondary. Like, they've got a lot of rookies, a lot of young players on it, not a lot of experience. So some days they'll have really good games, and next day they'll follow it up with a, with a not-so-good game, you know, uh, so they, as they learn to sort of be more consistent. Like, Kai Gray's one guy who's had some really good games in there, but he also had some a bit of a couple stinkers. So, you know, he's been pretty good for a rookie, and that's kind of the whole the whole theme with that secondary, that they have good games but not. And, you know, like you said, part of it is just exhaustion, like, it's hard to cover that many that often and to get off the field, have to go right back on the field again. Who has consistently graded the, the highest uh, among that group? Uh, actually, it is Kai Gray. He has been the most okay. consistent of the secondary. All right, there you go. And, you know, unfortunately for Marcus Lewis, who I think has played well, he had to play Kenny Lawler a couple times. So that yeah. didn't, and uh, that didn't help. So. No, not at all. <laughs> Bryson, I want to talk to about another uh, passion of yours. That's Ultimate Frisbee. And I, I, I have a couple buddies that play Ultimate Frisbee. Um, and I think you're in, a, you're in a major competition right now. So just, just explain the world of Ultimate Frisbee. Sure. So we actually just finished our Canadian National Tournament. Um, didn't do so hot, but had a lot of fun. <laughs> Played pretty hard. Um, yeah, you know, it's a lot of fun. I uh, I picked it up uh, about a decade ago. It's a pretty fun sport to play. You know, a lot of running, a lot of skills, a lot of football translated skills with the catching and, and the passing, which is nice for me as a football fan. And a uh, good chance to go out. And, you know, like the nice thing about it is it's kind of all ages. Like on my team that I play on, I got a 42-year-old and an 18-year-old. Nice. Right? So we've got, like, it's all over, and, and you can play against anybody. And it's, like, it's a nice community to play, so it's a lot of fun. It's basically football with a Frisbee, right? That's the basic yeah. concept, right? Yeah, pretty much. Trying to score the end zone with a Frisbee. That's awesome. Uh, Bryson, it was great to meet you tonight. I appreciate Oh, before we let you go, are there some metrics that you look with the Elks compared to the other teams, and especially the teams that they're going to be playing soon, that they got a catch in the standings. They got Ottawa, and then it's the uh, Labor Day series with the with the Calgary Stampeders. Are there some favorable metrics that you say the Elks are coming on here? Yeah, you know, I, I think the pass rush is something that's it's going to catch up. I think it's getting better. It's ramping up. You know, Cereza's been really good lately. He's leading the league the last three weeks in pressures. AC Leonard's been good. Coney Ely's been really good. So I think the pressures are coming, and they're going to keep coming, and that's going to be a way to get an advantage over these teams that are playing the next couple of weeks. Especially with Jake Mayer, who hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in four games, and he's playing the Argos this week, so that doesn't bode well. (laughs) (laughs) Bryson, uh, where can people catch your work on the the CFL? Yeah, You catch me on pff.com or on my Twitter. It's at pff underscore Bryson. Good stuff. Thank you, Bryson. It was nice to have you on the show. We'll talk to you again soon, okay? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. That's Bryson Vestnaver who is a uh, contributor for the CFL for Pro Football Focus. And uh, I know there's some, you know, there's some controversy or just criticism, you know. Uh, For example, for the month of July, Dane Evans was named the top quarterback for July, even though he only played like seven quarters. And uh, I remember Bryson responding to that and said, we probably need a minimum snap count for that. You know, Evans was good, but... I mean, you got Zach Caleros and you got, you know, even Dustin Crum was playing well at that time. And, uh, you know, even Trey Ford, there's some people saying, well, why, with 13 completions, how can he be the highest rated quarterback? Because you factor in he had two touchdowns, you factor in he had no picks, you factor in he was 74% completion, he was one 135 QB rating. Um, yeah, it's not a lot of work, but with the work that he has been given, Trey Ford has been able to execute very well. And, 
I think that's all that matters. Now you got to give him maybe a little bit more work. But uh, Chris Jones today was asked, is uh, Ford showing both improvement and the execution that he's looking for? We certainly hope, you know, I mean, because if he gets better, I mean, he's a dynamic player and it's hard to account for his legs. And so, uh, you know, you always got to either take a guy out of coverage just to spy him or, or you know, or try to bring more than, than we can block. I mean, that's basically the, the option. So he's, he's uh, and that's what they tried the other night. We got the double move there. So he's a tough, tough player. Yes, he is. And I think what they're doing as well is they're not calling runs for that he's inside the tackles too much and he's going to take contact, they're running a lot of that Sally game, which is a naked bootleg. So just having him go out on the edges, and with his speed, boy, he does that really, really well. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. Dave Campbell for Reed Wilkins tonight on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Elks back at practice today without Dean Faithful who is dealing with an ankle injury and uh, did not participate. So we'll see. I mean, I know this is a hot-button issue, and sometimes I think Chris Jones has missed on the kicking game as well. Um, they did sign a global O-lineman. Out. He's a British O-lineman. So that's three British players on the team now, as far as globals. Uh, Toby Lettman, who is a product of a Texas Christian. So they signed him. And uh, that should have been a clue for me that I guess something was up, but I had no idea. I mean, you can you can sign players, right? So the fact there isn't a kicker here, another one, maybe tells me it's not as bad as I think. So hopefully. Uh, Dean Faithful, uh, great story, a little polarizing because he has missed some kicks and he's made some kicks. So And he doesn't get a chance to kick a lot of kicks because... The coach doesn't want him to kick too much past 40. But they need a global. They need a kicker. He's their kickoff specialist as well. So they kind of need Dean Faithful to be healthy. So hopefully we'll see him at practice tomorrow. We'll hear from Niles Morgan. We'll hear from Chris Jones in the next half hour of 630 Chat Inside Sports. Uh, Austin Matthews, Toronto Maple Leafs, signing a four-year extension. AAV of $13.5 million. Contract kicks in next year. He'll be the highest paid player in the National Hockey League. For now. Campbell in for Wilkie on 630 Jet Insight Sports.